Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Welcome to Decorating the Set. Hey, Beth, how are you doing today? Good, Caroline. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited about today's episode because we are getting to do all kinds of fan service today. Mailbag Q&A, where we're going to finally dig down in there and get out all those questions that people have been sending in. And you're going to spill all the tea, Beth. I'm so excited. I'm going to do it. We're going to go behind the scenes. I've been asking fans to DM me at Back Home Decor with their questions, and they have been obliging us. So we're going to work on our top 10 questions today. All right, let's get into this, Beth, because I'm super excited. We have our first question that I feel like everybody must ask you a million times over and over. What is your favorite part of decorating a set? You know, it changes, I think, actually every time I work on an episode or work on a film, you know, oriented for that particular TV show or movie. Sometimes if it's a period piece, my favorite part could be the research that has to be done to, you know, have everything period appropriate. When it's episodic TV, I think really the day of dressing when sometimes it's just actually me and my team and, you know, we get into our rhythm. That's probably my most favorite. The other part is when something happens that I, in particular, call hitting the mother load. <laughs> that sounds like a good day. <laughs> yeah, the mother load days are, are pretty unforgettable. A lot of it, of course, pre-COVID could happen. Now I'm doing all my shopping through prop houses and online. But there's that moment when you find exactly what you've been searching for and sometimes you find something additional that you knew you had to continue searching for and there they are not really fitting in the same place at the same vendor but you just hit it and it's the perfect character piece and it just it really can take my breath away <laughs> i i can imagine i mean i feel like that's that's the same for when we're decorating our home when you like find that piece that unique piece of that just feels like this just is like last puzzle piece in this gigantic puzzle and you're like yes like victory mm -hmm. that must happen Definitely. all the time for you on a set it doesn't happen all the time it is no kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a, a rare occurrence but I, I think sometimes we will it that way <laughs> me and my team you know we we talk about it and we have a bad day of not finding what we're searching for and then we have a day that it sort of gets cast aside because we're working on other things. And then all of a sudden, you know, the time is coming near to the dress day and 
we need what we need. And I, I do feel like I get put through my paces of searching, 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 but then all of a sudden, and I, I do think this comes with experience, a kind of light bulb moment of, hey, we didn't try, you know, that place. And there we try that place and there it is. And then there's even more there. <laughs> I love it. It's like when the rays of God like shine down <laughs> on an item and you're like, oh, I that see decoration you. heaven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so I, there's different like stages of that set decorating. So what stage is that like finding that unique item usually falling in? Is it going to come like near to the beginning or near to the end? Well, it's really in the height of prep for what's going to shoot. Sometimes it's 24 hours before sometimes it's 48 hours before if i'm on a movie it could be a month before but it's in that uh oh we're getting really close to needing this and i i think maybe because it's happened to me throughout the years i kind of push that timing even you know my my team may be a little more panicked and i just say you know don't worry we'll, we'll find it we'll adjust we'll nice. recalibrate you know, we'll do what we have to do because we all know that we can make it happen. You know, that's the set decoration motto, really. Even if myself and my team say initially, oh, no, there's no way we have time. There's no way the schedule is going to allow us to do this. And, you know, after we make our complaints and they go unheard. <laughs> right. Totally Everyone vents and gets trans- it out. <laughs> yeah. Everybody vents and says, this isn't happening. Right, uh, right. Impossible. You know, right. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and then we pull it together and, you know, everyone says, you did it again. That's amazing. I love that part. That's got to be your favorite part of the decorating the set. That would be mine. When someone goes, you did it again. I'd be like, duh, duh, duh. Oh, yeah. They, they're just praising us because they know the next episode is coming with something even more difficult to pull off. Oh, my gosh. Well, you have discussed with us on previous podcasts, but for those who are just joining us for season two, your role really ends up being such that motherly role where you're constantly having to be like, it's OK. We can do this. Come on. Come on, guys. I'm the cheerleader. I'm the uh, <laughs> psychologist. I am the mom. I am the advocate. I often have said that I should have actually majored in psychology instead of, <laughs> instead of studying set decoration, theater, film. That's so funny. Okay, so let's move on to our next question. This one's coming from Shelly in Cleveland. Shelly asked in an email, in season one, you mentioned the process of decorating a set starts by breaking down the script. What does that actually mean and how do you go about doing that? Great question, Shelly, because really everything that I do is based on the scripted word. Sometimes that may shift or change, but the writing is most important. The first thing that happens is on, in the episodic television is I receive a script, as most department heads do, and I sit in my office and read the script. I'm one of those kind of people that needs to have the script in my hands. I don't like to do it on my computer. I like to have the script and be able to make notes. And I draw big circles around things that are specific to my department. Then we have what's called a concept meeting, where the department heads sit and talk about the important 
items and what has to be accomplished. And along with the production designer, the decisions are made as to what we're going to shoot on location, what we're going to shoot on our existing sets, and what sets we're going to build. And that starts this very interesting concept of, well, we've got a hotel room standing, and we can take that set and we can turn it around, and in two days it can be a young boy's bedroom. You know, as long as the walls can be changed and the flooring can be changed and, of course, the set decoration can be changed, the fact that those walls are up and standing on the stage saves a lot of time, manpower, and money. So we're always transforming when you do episodic television. We're always transforming our sets into the next episode, the next episode, and the one after that. The standing sets sometimes have changes. Sometimes, for instance, on The Good Wife and The Good Fight, we would alter what kind of courtroom we were using. We don't usually alter the standing sets, you know, the interiors, the um, kind of classic character-driven sets that we've built, and they stay standing, but we often change things in them, whether it's flowers or this episode needs food in the refrigerator you know depending on what the scenes are what the actors are doing it's my job to support every bit of that different props they might touch different rooms you know sometimes in order to have room on a stage we'll like take down part of a set take down a bathroom set just so the crew can be on the stage it takes a lot of space not only to build the sets and have them up but to honor all the fire lanes that have to go and run the perimeter of each stage and then when you realize that you're moving a crew onto the stage and you know those hair and makeup people are there and the director of photography and the grips and the electricians and all the equipment that they have, you have to really take into account how you're going to use the existing sets and also whatever space you have left on the stages. This is a huge job, Beth. And I know that that's just even still like the tip of the iceberg for all the things that you're responsible for. It, it is a huge job, but it's kind of organized chaos. And once you're in the groove of that, it becomes something that's logically and maybe not so easily but second nature you know it, it, it gets settled up quickly because you know you're shooting a episode every eight or ten days most people have never walked on a set before and really understand the idea of having to transform these small little areas into a whole bedroom or into a kitchen or whatever do you find that when you're breaking down the script is there sort of any type of game of like how are we going to we can we can flip it once and get it from a bedroom to say something else um, another person's bedroom what have you and then when you're switching it back how do you deal with things like continuity issues and and, and things like that that's a great question and and it's a twofold answer first of all everything's photographed my team photographs said once it's dressed, we have that photographic record. My onset dresser photographs the set of how it transforms while it's being shot. So we have that photographic record. And then we know every morning when my day crew comes in 
we are left notes by the onset dresser and we see how the set was left from the night before. So sometimes we have to restore that set for the next morning. Sometimes they, you know, emphatically leave us big, huge notes. Don't touch anything. We're in the middle of this scene. The other part of the process that happens is there are times when we have to say in this concept meeting or when a script comes out, it's impossible. It's it's not just a matter of timing, but we don't have the ability to shift. Something has to get shot on location. So the locations department starts to look for maybe a bar or a restaurant or a beauty salon, you know, something that we're not going to be able to build. And everybody has a sense of what's going to get shot on location. And then sometimes we look at the page count. So if that bar only has one page of the script, sometimes decisions are made with directors to shift the scene to another location. Like they'll say, oh, I can shoot that scene in the hallway. We don't have to go to a whole bar for that. So, you know, we're all doing our jobs and we're all adjusting our concepts. And of course, we're trying to be as true to the script as we can be. This next question really leans into that because I know a lot of decisions you're making have to do with not only the logistics of, you know, whether we should go to an actual bar versus setting up an an on set bar. But in this case, you know, budgets also come into play. So this question comes from Martin through Instagram. And he asked, besides budget, what other factors go into whether you decide to shop retail or rent from a prop house or have an item custom made or commissioned? After the script, Martin, the budget is paramount. So I have what's called a pattern budget. And that's my number for set decoration purchases and rentals that is exactly how it's defined. What is the pattern? Where is my amount each episode? You know, I do my calculations, which the accounting and budgetary aspect of being a set decorator has always been extremely important to me and something that in many ways I am known for, and I would say that contributes to my friendships with numerous accountants because I don't believe in going over budget, and it is something that has to be really a system that I stick to with both myself, the accountant, the art department coordinator, and I'm always running the numbers in my head every day who's ever working for me as an assistant. They have to report in what they've spent and It is something that I juggle. Timing in TV is everything. So having something custom made, we always know is going to be expensive. So that would be my decision in terms of if I choose to have something made or if it needs to be custom made. You know, when you amass a large shop, the first thing we do is, as we call it, shopping in the house. (laughs) Like all of us, right? (laughs) Go through your house first. Yes. And that's what we've been saying all through COVID, you know, change it up. Of course, now that prop houses are closed or, you know, not really open for shopping during COVID, we call things in. We do work online. I do like to have, especially on location or even on the stage, somewhat of a maybe overdone choice 
of especially artwork and some specific pieces, pairs of chairs, some lighting, things that, you know, again, I'm doing all of this deciding and selecting uh, online. And again, having my tape measure in front of me is always important because you can see beautiful items online from prop houses and photos of rooms put together but when you get the actual piece and the actor will practically be sitting on the floor because the chair is so low (laughs) you know something's gone wrong and i have a lot of those experiences where a a set dresser will open something and say this doesn't look right beth (laughs) and uh, it's like dollhouse sized or it's like takes up the whole wall yeah and you know what the same thing for artwork you have to really 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 look at the measurements you know because you're seeing everything in just a a glimpse you know the smallest little painting it looks like and it'll be great for some corner and then you know i get a painting and it's a four foot by seven foot vertical you know like there's not even a wall close to being able to fit that and prop houses are very accommodating they're used to me calling and saying all right, I'm sending you back four items. Send me three others, you know? And that's usually done in a panic at the last minute. But all of those things inform my decisions. But now more than ever, my decisions are informed by what's safe, what's safe for myself, my assistants, my set dressers, my Teamster drivers who go and pick everything up, what's safe for the prop house, the store we're dealing with, and what vendor is really making the right decision to handle the business properly during COVID times. And that, that's definitely a whole other thing that you have to be considering these days that I'm sure has added a whole layer for you. Our next question is from Abigail from New York, and she reached out to us through Instagram. We've worked on a wide variety of genres. Does the kind of movie or TV show affect your approach to decorating a set? Or is a bedroom a bedroom, whether it appears in a sci-fi TV show like Fringe or an irreverent biopic like Private Parts? Abigail, that's a very deep question. certainly is. It really is a bedroom is a bedroom. The things that alter what I'm working with are more of the kind of practical architectural things. How many windows are in the particular bedroom? How is the scene going to be shot? How is it going to be lit? Is it an intimate scene with two people in bed? For me and my love of linens, every bedroom is an opportunity to search out as many possible linen choices as I can get my hands on. And I, I do like doing that. And if you actually went back and rewatch private parts, there's part of it that is shot. So it kind of literally melds from one bedroom to the next, you know, shot high looking down on the bed. Again, all those choices are preordained. Usually when you're seeing anyone in the bed, their skin tone and the color of the linens and how you're defining their character and how it's going to get lit and viewed and if they're going to be naked in bed. All those things go into my linen shopping. Sometimes I actually buy extra linens to be the wardrobe for the costume designer. 
Oh, do tell. Explain that. Well, you know, if two actors are shot in bed, two characters together, and Mm -hmm. we see one of them move from the bed to a chair or stand up to go to the bathroom, and the choice has been made and it's scripted that it's going to appear as if that actor is naked, then their wardrobe, their costume for that scene is a sheet. So... Ah. It comes generated from me first uh, versus the costume designer. So many times I work with the costume designer and we get together on the tone that we're interested in. Are we going to go for something more lavender or something more khaki or even with the right director of photography? Are we going to literally do white, which is rare, but... We try to stay realistic. When we shoot a lot of hotel rooms, I really try to get the director of photography to embrace white because that's what hotel linens are. Sometimes we tech them down, meaning that we literally dye them with tea. And we, you know, make them a a, a tone that's slightly off-white. Beth, hold on. You blew my brain with this idea that a sheet is the wardrobe. Because now I'm, like, doing the math in my head. It never occurred to me that they are often in a larger bed. But when the person, like, stands up and, and does that move where they're just, like, kind of covering themselves with the sheet and they walk out of the room, they're not using a sheet the size of a king size sheet like that would be so funny because now when i think about that that'd be like dragging like yeah, princess dragging diana's gown and you would sh- never you, know, like, you never see that it's, into- yes no no and you would never see that because it, that that's so that would be so bunchy and weird and certainly not sexy looking at all that makes so much sense that that they might just use a section of the sheet or something to use to use less to not look so silly wow i'm learning <laughs> the other thing is that we rarely shoot a king size bed because you want to have enough room but you also want the camera and the shot to feel intimate. So queen size, even in some circumstances, full size, and of course, in an appropriate age-related decision, we would do a twin size bed. King size, we rarely use for those intimate scenes. But on the other hand, when we first did Alicia Florek's bedroom we made an actual specific decision for her to seem lonelier and more of a single Ah. person in bed when her husband was in jail so she looks a little bad yeah nice i love that you played with that like like the the idea of her size in the bed first of all beth i want you to follow me around everywhere i want to look little everywhere i'm at okay (laughs) so that's like your main (laughs) when you retire everywhere all the time i want to look tiny and demure okay that's your full-time gig now (laughs) i might pick you up on that but that's so smart. That's so smart. And everyone out there, if you want to look tinier and little, get a bigger oh, stop. bed. Get a bigger bed. There you go. <laughs> smart. So, Abigail, to answer your question, it is a bedroom is a bedroom. It's about 
how I do character development. So, you know, there have been characters that spend a lot of time and we shoot a lot of scenes in their bedrooms. There have been some who just do a passing shot through the bedroom or we see them deep in their closet and their drawers. And since I have to provide all of that background decor and that leads to the character development, it's kind of the same process. It's just motivated by the script and by the actor, by the character. So if you had your choice of any genre to work on, what type of genre do you typically like to kind of lean into? I think I really enjoy the genre that's more about decoration, less procedural, less office-based, something where from a decor standpoint, I really have an opportunity to make a statement. So when you have the option to to choose between two jobs, one maybe being more procedural, one being more uh, a family drama, say, do you tend to, to choose one based on the way that you prefer to decorate? I don't think I necessarily do make a decision based on that. There have been times when I've had the option to take a TV show or a movie, and I've chosen the TV show thinking that it would have more longevity. I'm pretty practical in those kind of choices, as well as, you know, I consider the whole picture who I might be working with in terms of directors and production designer and the crew in general. You know, that kind of ups the ante on certain jobs. The following few questions are some more common questions that we get pretty much all the time. Now, we've talked a lot about the things you enjoy about doing decorating a set, but what's a part that you absolutely dread doing? Like you're like, today's the day we have to tackle that. There are days like that. Most likely for me, those are the first days when we start dressing. You know, usually we have a little more than one day could be a day and a half but that initial struggle I have with the floor plan and I know this is a struggle that so many of you have in your own homes and it's why I offer for you to send photos and for me to be there by your side because it is something that feels to me very unattainable at first, you know, sometimes I have in my head where the bed's going to go or where the soap is going to go. And I'm usually an incredibly decisive person. And I can definitely be that for anyone else. But when I'm working it my on my own, it's a hard place to be. And the time that I dread is when I'm in a room with a lot of pieces of furniture and four or six set dressers and everybody's looking at me. <laughs> Everybody wants to know where the piece of furniture needs to be moved to. I tend to have a gut instinct about it, go away from my gut instinct, and always end up going back to my original thoughts. So it's in that moment of kind of seeing it come together just in the furniture plan, because I know I've said this, one of my biggest pet peeves is to have anything in the room other than the walls and the floor and the furniture to create that furniture plan to see where there are holes. Oh, I could get another chair and a small table in that corner or that sofa needs a sofa table behind it so we can light there. It's just in those moments where 
even after over 30 years, I have that doubt that it's not going to come together. And it usually happens in sets that, as we've talked earlier, are retrofitted. You know, it was a hotel room one minute and one episode and then it changes. Sometimes I get blocked in where I can't fit a bed and two end tables on either side. I get stuck in my own way and Mm. I have to readjust. This happens to so many of our home decorators where, you know, you have a plan going in and you walk in and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) the measurements don't work. Yeah. It it happened, you know, when I purchased um, this current house where I had measured when we walked the house initially and then the house was getting some reno stuff and then I bought everything and I came back and I went to put it in and I was like, OMG, (laughs) this is not the way that I thought I was going to set this up. And now, Beth, this is terrible. Are you ready for this? I sat on the floor and I put my back against the drywall and I pushed the bed with my feet. Do you want to know what happened? The bed did not break, but the drywall gave way. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, well, let's not recommend that to any of our listeners. (laughs) Don't do it. But but you know what? That's the epitome of not letting go of your initial idea. You know, you said, this is what I came in to do, and this is what I'm going to do. And instead, I friggin' damaged the wall. (laughs) And it's like, don't do that. Be willing to be flexible. Yes, you have to be flexible and sometimes I need help from other departments. For instance, we'll hang curtains and you can see the rod and it just doesn't look right. And we need what we call like a little teaser and call the production designer and we'll talk with the construction department and we'll add those little things. Sometimes, you know, we need a sconce in a corner. Sometimes we need something painted in where, you know, if you're doing a real character driven kitchen or something and you've got uh, you know, an older feel or an older looking set, or uh, sometimes we have the scenics put in like a little aged vibe where it's on a door that you find you need some handprints. You, you wouldn't necessarily notice them, but it just creates reality. It's that moment for me where in my gut, I know it's going to come together and it's all going to work. But it's just that, like, initial time of experimenting. And for someone who is as decisive as I am, sometimes that can throw me off. So those are my moments of dread. Usually they happen, (laughs) like clockwork, around a coffee break or a lunch break for my crew, which actually in the end is very good for me because I spend some time by myself contemplating and moving around the set different corners and they come back all caffeinated and they're ready to move things around (laughs) I love that I remember so many months ago when you started telling me about problem babies and I was like oh problem babies we all have them (laughs) we all have them and it, it is it's difficult to kind of pull yourself back up when you deal with them yeah it is But those are the days that you come home and feel quite accomplished. It's a big deal to kind of get past that and not put your back through a drywall, you know, to just like move forward. (laughs) And, you know, I'm also remember, unlike home design, in a way, I have a lot of other things to consider. I have the script. I have the scene. Is it day or night? I have what the action is and how the traffic patterns go and what has to happen now. Everyone at home has a lot more of those issues because we're all multi-purposing and staying at home a lot more and using everything for different purposes. 
So we're all thinking outside the box, but give yourself time, give yourself a break. Try it as much as you can, different ways. Try not to think about all the furniture just pushed up against walls. My crew makes fun of me, but I am forever saying, let it breathe. Let it breathe. (laughs) Let that end table breathe. I love that. You know, people do that all the time, though, where you mush things right up, especially end tables. Good call Mm -hmm. on that. Where you actually see the fabric of the couch leaning onto the end table because they've smashed it up so hard. Caroline, you've discovered another pet peeve. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know that I can, can't you, are are you having a little palpitation? Because I can feel the curved arm, the curved arm of that couch leaning on the thing like it's tired and needs to rest its elbow onto that end table. Like, get out of here with that. What are you doing? Yep, exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, gosh. Well, Beth, your own personal style must bleed into how you decorate different areas. How do you sort of keep some of that at bay and how much do you just let that flow i think that i let it flow when i have the opportunity when it's appropriate the alicia floric apartment was very much my personal style uh the beach glass color in the bedroom was in my former bedroom that was an appropriate set to let it happen In more office sets and commercial type of use, I still try to get my character-driven set dressing everywhere, as I've always called it, my top layer of life. So when a certain character warrants it or when they don't, I like to develop perhaps collections for them or things that my eye is drawn to. And I think it's more about how the set is literally dressed, that it's not overwhelmed with small little decorative items. And I think I infuse my practicality in everything I touch on set. I like things to feel right, feel real, feel ergonomically correct. It might not necessarily be my eclectic style you know it might be a modern space or a super traditional space but it's more about how i create moments and do that top layer do the lighting and certainly the palette for each set that i think is very true to me and my design no matter what i'm working on Do you feel like you have a through line? Like I know like some people, we were just talking about um, the Muppets and how they have like a shooting star somewhere in every single movie that they've done. Do you feel like there's any like through thread for you where it's like, I always end up putting a little bit of something, something on every set. That's just Beth. I think it's more so just an entire look. When I was designing my own product line, I thought of it as my go-to items that could work in numerous styles, you know, uh, whether it was a traditional office, whether it was an industrial loft. I tend to stick with the same principles, but it's not one item in particular. It's more what I've developed and what I keep consistent. Beth, I feel like you have so many different talents that you have to bring into your job every single day. You probably could lean into different parts of those talents and become pretty much any job that you really wanted. I feel that way about you because problem solvers, man, we rule the world. Caroline, that's so nice. (laughs) 
feel that way. So, Beth, if you could not be the set decorator on a job, what hat would you wear? What department would you find yourself gravitating towards? That's an interesting question. I have thought about it. I think what I would like to do if I wasn't a set decorator is take all my experience because as a set decorator department head, you're really one of the only departments that interacts with every other department. You know, I have communication and contact with the Teamsters, with the prop master, with the director of photography, of course, with the director, with the producers, with the actors. So I would probably lean in towards working as a director. When I was in high school and in my early college years, I was stage manager and started in the theater that way, a kind of covering all areas and organizing the entire thing. So uh, I think maybe work as a director or even as an editor, because then I'm kind of visually organizing everything. And I have this experience telling a story visually, and I feel like I could translate it into editing. I could completely see you doing that so seamlessly, just moving right over towards an editing job. But also your decision making, like you said, bar none, man, you have no problem just being like, this is what we should do. And if that's not a director, I don't know what is. Well, it comes from a lot of years of experience. You know, I have seen jobs fail from a lack of organization. I have seen jobs excel just incredibly. I am privy to seeing a lot of how a particular show works. And we're talking a lot of cogs in the wheel. So being responsible for many of them is something that I feel I have experience to do and would enjoy. Beth, you have so many experiences, not only decorating sets, but also you have the, the whole world of home interiors that, that you consult on. Tell me, which do you actually prefer? Do you prefer to work on sets or do you prefer to work with private clients? Well, I prefer both and they cross over quite often. You prefer have- both? What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say I prefer both. Sure, I can because you know what? Sometimes I do them simultaneously. And what? Yeah, Beth, you are a mess. How do you do all this? <laughs> I I have a lot of good help, and you know I've got wicked insomnia. What can I tell you, Caroline? <laughs> well, that helps all of us. Gosh, yeah. we are, we're so similar. It's ridiculous. So, what what are the pros and cons of like sets versus private clients? They're very different, but I can tell you that I feel the same elation when a set comes together or when somebody's home comes together. It's a different kind of defining of character, but it's all the same. You know, it's all the same concepts and considerations and effort. Again, quite the changed landscape in covid To me, the most interesting thing right now is that as everyone is in their home and focusing on their home, that the work that I do and the vendors that I deal with, everybody is busier than ever. I speak to vendors who, while other companies suffered through COVID, you know, they started COVID with all their outstanding orders from, let's say, three to six months before COVID. And now it's just changed 
exponentially. I mean, everybody's looking for home furnishings on any level, looking for renovation, looking to invest maybe some of the money that they saved while they weren't going to restaurants and doing other things, taking vacations. But they've decided to have this imposed staycation work out for them and find some more peace in their home environment, their work environment, their schooling environment. So we're sort of, as decorators, whether it's for a set or for private interiors, we're very popular right now. (laughs) I was reading so many articles that the requests for private consultations are way up right now uh, because people are just so unsure about what to do. But you're right. They have a little bit of, of money that they might be able to throw towards this. And frankly, they're just tired of being uncomfortable in their own home and they want things to suit them better, more personalized. Absolutely. It is quite a relief to get that comfort level in this space that you're stuck in, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and to kind of like dig out those gems in a home that you didn't really realize were even there. I I know for my own self, I'm like, I I opened a a door and I was like, I didn't even realize that this actually has more of like an attic space that was like on the same level as the hallway. Like it's just full of insulation. And I was like, if I pulled out all this insulation and I like did this proper with like drywall, this could actually be a usable space. My son was like, it's mine. I would like that space. (laughs) I was like, get out of here. That's a motivator, you know, give him his own door to close. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the child. Oh, my gosh. But uh, we call those Texas basements because we don't Uh we don't have basements. So that second floor, you know, just open the door and all of a sudden there's like this long hallway. Um, You know, that's our Texas basement. So. You know, there's a lot of questions that we get through Pod Clubhouse's Twitter account. And and this one is real interesting to me when it comes to private client homes, because you must approach it differently than you do when you're coming to a new set. But what's the equivalent of breaking down the script when you're dealing with a new client and you're and you're having to kind of hear what they want and you're going to have to kind of process that? Well, here is the operative word, because I must listen to them and then formulate my concepts, my suggestions. Very often, they're emphatic. They know what they want. They know what room they want to redo. Obviously, to renovate an entire home or apartment that you live in is a difficult, timely, and costly process. So maybe some people want to just do a kitchen upgrade or a bathroom upgrade or paint and purchase some new furniture. So I really take all of their ideas and their desires first. It's, it's different than breaking down a script. Then we think practically how much time it's going to take, how are we going to get this done. And of course, again, during these times, it's a completely different story, you know. So I take all of that into account. And we're relying heavily on vendors that may not have everything in stock. And I think the thing that they want from me is a timeline, a schedule, and a management of the whole project. That's really what's needed to help them see it, you know? And then there are times when I literally take a tape measure and I go into their houses and I say... This sofa that you have in mind is going to look like this. It's going to be this large. 
And most of the people that I help with their interiors are not that visually oriented to begin with. So that makes sense because they're do, coming to you, right? Yep. To kind of paint mm-hmm. that picture for them. Yeah. I do a lot of talking <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> visual explanations. I have to imagine a lot of almost like therapy work in that too, though. Like, I know you wanted this couch and it's difficult to let go of, but this room cannot hold this couch. Like I could see there being like, let's breathe it out. Let's let go of that couch and let's, let's find that new couch that's going to be right for you. Well, you know, that's their script. I mean, I have changed apartments when people have separated or divorced or passed away. I have had to be very gentle and understanding of people's memories and thoughts about their things, you know, how people view color, even if it's something that's not particularly my favorite or something that I want to see. I have to be their filter, but it has to always end up giving them what they want to look at and live with. How do you deal with that, Beth, when I know there's got to be times when there's just certain people and I and I've been given the like, Caroline, not everybody likes exactly what you like. And I'm like, well, they're wrong. (laughs) But like, how do you deal with it when the client is like, but I just want an all rattan living room, Beth. (laughs) Do you just go for it and just let them be like, well, this is what you want to be surrounded with? Or do you be like, listen, do you just like try to find the vibe in another way? Or do you just got to just let them have it? Well, I'd say that mostly my clients are people who know me through the film business. So they know what I'm capable of. And I feel that they trust me. And it's not that we don't go back and forth. I believe I've shared this before in season one that, you know, I learn because I did have a client who wanted two different colored walls that were like at the bottom of my color list, but it was part of the job. It was just as important to them and necessary, and they weren't going to be moved to change their mind. And in the end, that apartment was probably the least similar to my aesthetic, but It was so exciting to see how happy they were in getting what they wanted that I really learned in that moment how to do that, you know, how to serve the client. There's a lot that goes into it. I would say it's maybe a third serving the client and what they want, whether I believe in it as a design choice or not. And then there are two-thirds of the people who know me, know my aesthetic, know what I'm capable of. And that's why we have the relationship to begin with. Okay, Beth, our next question is from Allison, and she's asking through Instagram. She said, I listened to your living rooms episode, and I've incorporated several of your ideas to make the space more functional for how we live and working at home nowadays. I've included some before and after pictures. So for our listeners, I'm going to explain. So Allison has changed up the uh, separate rugs to define the space better, and she's updated the furniture to better accommodate the number of people using the living room every day, which is now much more. And 
she's also changed her lighting a little bit to try to layer her lighting in a little bit more the way that Beth has been giving the tips. So now back to Allison's question. I've stretched my budget to the max with these changes, but I just don't feel like the room is completely done. Can you give me some budget-friendly finishing touches to really feel like we're bringing the room together? And this is like the final sort of layers, that top layer of life that you discuss with us so much, Beth. Absolutely, Allison. There is such a wide range of decorative accessories out there to the point where sometimes I have clients who literally have a bunch of decorative accessories that they use in the winter versus another set that they use in the summertime. In order to accomplish this with all you've done so far, which I'm sure I can see here has made the space so much more inviting, go for small items. At this time, post-holidays, there are huge sales on home decor. So I would say search all the websites of the places that you like to shop, see what's on sale to begin with. Another layer that you can do that's inexpensive but changes things up dramatically are throw pillows, are kinds of decorative storage containers that we've talked about, you know, using a basket for the school supplies, putting them in there in the evening so you're not looking at them. Think small. Maybe you need an ottoman that has some storage space in it. Maybe you need to add different drapes, but not change up your drapery hardware. All kinds of things are available that can have a big impact with a small price tag. Those are all super good ones. I feel like I always wait to the last second to add in um, things like nature that you mentioned. And and I'm always so happy when I go back and put in those plants. And I feel like the room came alive. <laughs> and it can it, be so inexpensive. Like I, I got some cuttings from a neighbor. Like it doesn't have to cost anything at all to actually add that little layer. Yeah. Listen, you can plant an avocado pit. You can find the instructions on how to do that easily online. All you need are some toothpicks, some, you know, a pot to put it in and uh, some soil and you can grow yourself a beautiful plant. All right. Yeah. Grow it yourself. We don't have to pay for stuff, (laughs) Beth. Grow it yourself, right? That's fantastic. I love that. Beth, we're just talking about plants, but I want to talk about your time on Little Shop of Horrors because Denise from London says, in your starting out episode, I loved hearing about your time with Little Shop of Horrors. I'm a big fan of the musical. Thinking about all you've learned and experienced since that time, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give your younger self or say a young aspiring set decorator out there? Let's see, Caroline. I think I might have decided to uh, tell myself to run away from the film business. <laughs> you might have said that I, to yourself. <laughs> I might have. Not that I want to be bitter or anything, but it is a really hard business, no matter what your age. Even at my younger self, I, I think maybe kind of having more of a concept, uh, and this is what I would tell anybody starting out, that it's just not as glamorous as it seems. It is really filled with hard, long days when you become a department head, a lot of responsibility. And people should not enter the film business lightly or working in the theater. You know, it is 
obviously a great way to express your artistic bent and your creativity, but it is really hard focused work that requires a lot of thought and a lot of physical effort. Everybody's removed from their families and putting in the hours and you don't even think about the hours it takes to get to work and get home after your big long 12 or 14 hour day. So I would give myself, my younger self, the advice of maybe uh, changing up my entry into the film business and how I developed my craft. But I would also tell anyone who's interested in this to be very, very, very realistic. View it as a, a major job, but it's not as fabulous as it may appear. <laughs> you don't walk around with like a boa around your neck? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think about that all the time about how many kids, especially that I know that want to get into the industry. And, you know, I think, gosh, for the most part, you know, I know it's a stereotype, but so many people who are so creative also have a very sensitive side. And this work is so full of rejection and criticism and having to pull yourself back up. Is there anything to that about how do you kind of grow a thicker skin? Because you oh can't God, afford I, to seriously. be precious about stuff. Absolutely. You must enter this with physical stamina and with emotional stamina and strength. It is uh, thankless in many, many ways. And it is... Uh, it's kind of ever-changing. And what I find amazing and I know to be the most difficult for even people who have worked in the business a long time is this concept that we have to be open to changes. And I mean open to emergencies, changes, an actor is sick, weather, all these possible Things that can, you know, disrupt your day, throw a wrench in the works. You never know when you're working, when you're a freelancer. You don't know how long your day is going to be. You don't know if you're going to have to be on set or not, where the location is, how you're getting there. I am painting you a honest portrayal of how intense and ever-shifting the business really is. I'll tell you honestly, we work on cold stages and in warehouses in not such good neighborhoods. And just the execution of the daily task is very hard. Harder here in New York and the tri-state area because we're not working on a back lot. We're working in different locations, we're in different people's homes, and of course, all now retrofitted and rethought out for COVID. So it's a challenge, and you have to be able to redirect, refocus, take it all in, and not take it all in in a personal sense. There's always a bigger picture. It's always about the script. It's always about the actors. As far as working in the set decoration department, it's always about what everyone else's schedule is. That's why as much as I like to have those days on set when it's just me and my team developing the look, those days are always on a sixth or seventh day. Oh, wow. So that should inform you. I mean, keep the questions coming in terms of the practical reality. 
but it is a hard job for anyone at any age. Well, on that note, Beth, I would be remiss not to ask you, if you hadn't become a set decorator, what do you think you would have done? I think I would have done many things differently. I think I would have had a less vocational career. You know, I attended Syracuse University, but I really focused on set design and the theater department. And I think I would have maybe studied more liberal arts and not pigeonholed myself that much. I know you're probably going to say, what the (laughs) hell? (laughs) But uh, my interest really, not in college, but in later years for numerous reasons, lies in the field of bioethics. Really? Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. It's a combination of law and medicine. And I've had a lot of experience in both areas, although you know, not in terms of my schooling, in terms of my life of hard knocks. And, you know, as a bioethicist, you have to be definitive, you have to be decisive, you have to set policies, and you have to really think outside of the box, and yet consider all the corners of the box. And it's just something that I find incredibly fascinating. Wow, Beth, I never would have put bioethics and, you know, attach it to your set decorating life. That feels so far away. But at the same time, bioethicists seem like they're problem solvers too, right? Everybody's just trying to kind of figure it out. And so maybe in many ways, yeah, that does suit you very well. (laughs) Well, we hope that you listeners have enjoyed listening to some of these questions. And I really appreciate Beth opening up her life and her brain and all of her experiences to us because you've been extremely helpful. And I think you are blunt, honest, girl. You're going to tell people they don't even want to know this stuff, but they don't even (laughs) know how much they need to hear these things, right? Thank you, Caroline. Absolutely. Well, you guys, please keep sending in your questions because we will continue to answer them. And, you know, you get to hear your name read out on, on the podcast. That's always exciting. Please continue to consider me the set decorator by your side and DM your questions to add back home decor, B-A-K home D-E-C-O-R. And I look forward to giving you more definitive decisions. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars, people. Five stars. Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home is an original Pod Clubhouse production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.